Urban renewal was a widespread policy in the United States through the 1960s and the 1970s, particularly in cities with older, dilapidated neighborhoods. Urban renewal was seen as a way to rejuvenate cities by replacing aging and deteriorating buildings with new development. However, in practice, urban renewal was met with controversy, often with significant negative impact on many communities, particularly in low-income and minority neighborhoods across our nation. For Beacon, this experience was no different. In this series, we will explore urban renewal's impact on Beacon's West End neighborhood. We will seek to learn what happened and meet the folks whose lives were touched by this work. Brought to you by the Howland Library, Beacon Historic Society, Highland Current, and I Am Beacon. This is Beacon's West End Story. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Beacon's West End Story. This is Brooke. This is Ruben. And today we're going to embark on a journey to uncover the untold story of Beacon's West End. For those of you who are just joining us, welcome. We're happy to have you join us. But before we dive in, I encourage you to check out our first episode featuring Professor Hodgefelter from the University of Albany. Yeah, I have to say, Professor Hodgefelder shared some invaluable insights on all things urban renewal. When you think about uh, what's happened here in Beacon, what's happened here, particularly on the story of the West End, it all starts and ends with this huge um, initiative on urban renewal. And for me personally, I had no idea what the initiative was and what all things urban renewal even meant. But the professor was able to come in, share his insights, and really bring us through not only the historical, but the cultural context, the social context surrounding urban renewal, and also his expertise on how urban renewal has come to life here in New York, which was, I'm personally grateful that he was able to share that with us. Yeah, you know, for me personally, um, I've heard of the story of urban renewal a lot living in growing up in Beacon, and I thought it was specifically to Beacon. Um, he uh, opened my eyes that this is an it was a national initiative and specifically his work that he's done here in the state of New York. And uh, just seeing all the similarities between the, c- the cities and communities that took on the urban renewal projects. Yeah, sometimes I can think that we we tend to be a little isolated in our own backyard. Like this happened to only Beacon like and. I felt like he kind of burst that bubble real quick. I think the other thing too, and um, perhaps um, for those of you who have, who have listened to that episode, maybe you'd agree, is it kind of um, shocked me to see the similarities of what have ha- what has happened across New York for his expertise, but across the country um, in terms of the targeting of specific communities. Um, it brings up a lot of mixed emotions. Um, because there's so many layers involved to that, not only a race layer, but an economic layer, um, and really kind of, uh, blew my mind. Yeah. You know, and, and it kind of like, uh, I guess a little bit of, uh, disheartening, um, just shows the social structure or like the systematic structure, um, that, uh, maybe I thought we were just unique into like, no, quite possibly it's not as, uh forthcoming and 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 I don't even know if I got the right words for it. Yeah, like the 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 insidiousness of it because yeah. it's there but you can't really see it. 
Um, and the other thing too, for me that I've just been reflecting on in the weeks since we spoke with him is Beacon, because of its size, I believe it was so much more damaging to our community and more relevant, like you can see it more. Right. Like I feel like, you know, when you talk about Albany, you talk about, you know, these bigger communities, these bigger cities, maybe it's harder to see because the cities themselves are so large so they can be impacted. But it's not as um, jarring. Well, that's why I like, I like the one thing that the professor did say when he went into um any highway that leads right into like a like a street road, like you could tell like they had some uh that they were involved in urban renewal because then as i thought about it i was was like you know when when i went to albany or even a poughkeepsie like you can see like how an highway would turn right into like a a main street and it was like yeah like it doesn't make sense you know right and then uh he put some context to that you know and um so so with hearing the stories that we're hearing here locally and just having the roots that we have here in Beacon. And as they're sharing the stories of like uh, the West end and, and the uh, most popular of, of Beekman street, like it's like, I can see it, but I can't see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to ask for you because, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Ruben works for the city. He, and one of the things I always call him for is where is the street? I have been here my whole life, but I do not know the names of streets. And you're somebody who knows almost every street by the back of your hand. You know where there's bends, you know where there's issues, you know where there's, you know, oh, that one, you know, you got to slow down. So like for you, when you're now driving around, when you're seeing these streets and, you know, I'm thinking of like, is that, what is that street called? Is it, look at me, not even remember yeah. the street behind Beacon Street. That just goes into the dead end. Academy Street. Is that it? Maybe. But there's a street where there's a few houses and it literally goes right right off of South Avenue. Mm-hmm. And it goes house, house, house. And then there's a guardrail. And then there's 9D. Yes. Yeah, that's Academy Street. And, uh, you know, I actually pride myself on, on knowing the streets. Uh, I, I actually knew the streets before I started working for the city. There was probably about two or three that um, I had to, that I, that I learned. There was actually one that I was like, I didn't even know that it was a street because it could, it just connects two other side streets. So, like, I was like, oh, which actually is a street? And it's actually a different name. But, um, you know, I uh, know all the streets because I moved all over. You yeah. know, moving all over will help you know streets because you know the street you lived on and you generally know that you're, you're uh, interconnecting streets. And then, you know, with the family roots and ties that we have here in Beacon, uh, we had a lot of like family members that lived in certain other places. So like I would just pick up on their their um, street names. And then, you know, when I was about 13, 14, uh, my mom bought me a bike. Yeah. You know, and then once I was on a bike, I had friends all over the place. I remember I took, uh, I remember when I went to, started going, hanging out in like Mount Beacon Park playing basketball. And I took my friends from Mount Beacon Park to where we were living on Dutchess Terrace. And one of them was like, asked me if we were still living in Beacon. Yeah. Or were we, were we still in Beacon? You know, but, um, yeah, no, no, no industries is something that I pride myself on. But like I said, I had to learn a couple, a couple of them came to me while I was working there. But and it, so but how it comes in handy. Yeah. And so how, like, now that we're talking about streets with folks and streets that no longer exist, how does that make you feel? Yeah, um, it just, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's just more eye-opening, you know, because 
the the crazy thing is like a lot of the streets still exist. They're just not the same anymore. You know, like when they when they're talking about Academy Street or when they're talking about Beacon Street and they're saying like Beacon Beacon Street used to go all the way to to the river. You know, right now nine D cuts a lot of streets off. Nine D cuts off Beacon Street. It cuts off Roundabout Avenue. It cuts off Academy Street. Now there's a wall, you know, where net, where some of these people are telling us their stories and they're saying, oh, no, all those streets went all the way to the river. Like the Beekman Street, like Beekman Street is still there today. Mm-hmm. We, we, well, let me take we that have back. A we Beekman have Street. a Beekman Street. But, yeah, the stories that we're hearing, we don't have the, the, Beekman, the Street. Beekman Street. Yeah, you know, so hearing that and, and even a, a few photos that we're starting to get, you know, that that that's what really blows my mind, like um, trips me out a little bit. We're, where I can't see, like when they talk about the whole bank square corners, I'm like, I can see it, but I can't see it. Like, when, like right now when you get, when you're going up South Avenue and right now you got like a parking lot, you got bank square coffee, you got a parking lot, you got the firehouse and they're like, Oh no, there used to be restaurants and pool halls. Yeah. And, and it's like, and they're like the five corners. I'm like one, two. No, I don't yeah. see five corners here anymore. So of, 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 of a, of a hangout, you know, it's, right. it, it's, it's like the corners that I see now is, it's pretty dangerous, you yeah. know. Uh, shout out to Carmen Johnson, you know, the school crossing guard right there mm-hmm. in that area, you know. Um, but the way that they talk about it, of, of the hangout and, and uh, restaurants that you can go to, and right now for us, it's, like, it's kind of just like a thoroughfare to like you're only going through here to get somewhere else, either get on to 9D to go north or south or or that quick South Avenue to get down to Loopers, you know. You're not really hanging out here too much unless you're at Bank Square Coffee, which has the outside spot that they can hang out at, but. Other than that, it's kind of a, a pass through. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm super excited about this particular episode. Um, I think it's important to talk about all these different streets that no longer exist because the geography is literally different. So today's episode, we're going to be celebrating what was the West End with you all. Um, we're going to take a trip down memory lane because literally the memories are all we have left. Yeah. And, and as we all know, the heart of any community lies in its residents and the people that call it home. So that's what makes me so much excited about going down this, uh, this project. On this episode, we'll have the privilege of hearing firsthand accounts from some of the West End residents. These stories give us a glimpse into the daily lives and the experience that shaped this community. Yeah, and so here, like, what we're hoping to uncover by um, the generosity of folks sharing their memories with us is that we learn about this close-knit community from the people who were there, from the people who experienced it, from the people who, quite honestly, built that community and participated and were active in that community. Um, For me, uh, I think a lot of what I hear from these folks, what I'm getting is, Oh, those are the roots that I've been built on. That's that, you know, the folks ask us personally all the time, what is our connection? Why do we care so much about this place? And, you know, it's one thing to say that we're fourth generation Beaconites, but it's another thing when you hear the stories and you say, oh, that lives in me too. That spirit lives in me too. Yeah, and, and, and hearing the stories uh, have definitely been um, eye-opening for me, but also making me reflect on my upbringing, you know. Um, they say you need to learn your history, you know, and, and the more history that you're learning, you get more excited and you just want to hear more. And um, just to see and hear hear their stories, try to picture and empathize with their feelings or where they were or how they saw the community to now reflecting back to when I was younger, like, well, how did I see it and how did I feel to, to today, to like um, the where Beacon is 
is now and what we want to hold to and everything that we do with this podcast of This Is Beacon, everything that we do with I Am Beacon, with the volunteerism, with the organizing of bringing certain events and trying to keep that, that it takes a village mentality, you know, um, that, that that's what excites me. That's what uh, makes me want to like keep getting involved. But uh, really the hearing the stories and just trying to empathize from what it was in the 50s, 60s, 70s to my experience in the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s to now trying to bring it to full circle to where we are in 2023 is just, on one respect, I say, well, anybody can do it, you know, but then like when you really dial it back and like a lot of success that we've been having here, even the people that we've been encountering with through this project, you really see like there is a uniqueness in at least in our community. So I'm not saying that any other community isn't doing this, um, but there is a uniqueness in the Beacon community and there's there, there's something to be prideful about that. Yeah. So when we say we're special, you'll hear the substance behind that in these uh, these clips to come. So let's get started. Come to the light at the bottom of Main Street in the, in the fire and the police stations right there. That road just continued down, all the way down to Police Auto Body, and that River Street was there. That was Lower Main Street, straight down the hill. Bank Square was probably the biggest square around. That was the West End. Bank Square back. That was the black community. Beekman Street was nothing but apartment homes, all the way from the corner where that light is starting on part of 9D from Main Street. To the left there, that corner was Beekman Street and it ran all the way down to the river. Nothing but apartment houses. Beekman Street and then Ferry Street and then we had what they call West Main Street. We call it the Back Street and uh, River Street, Parts Walker Avenue, South Avenue, was like a line of demarcation, if you will. You didn't go, say, east of South Avenue, that was most of the white people lived. And then on the west side was, uh, you know, was the black community. I mean, you know, you could walk there, but you know, no one lived there at the time. The western that I remember was a warm, community of people, happy people. I would say it's very, at the time, the West End, I mean, growing up in the West End, very tight-knit community. It was a closeness that I can't even describe, but it was a, a real closeness because I could walk from one end of Ferry Street, go down to the ferry, walk up. I knew everybody. Go in the barbershop, I knew everybody. Everybody sat out on their front porches. Everybody knew everybody. But it's a closeness that was just wonderful. It was a great community because we were all connected. I had several cousins and aunts all living in the same area. So it was not only a neighborhood, but for us, like family connections in that area of town. We played in the street. There was a vacant lot and the guy, he let us use it to play softball. We used to play, Vogel's Drugstore in the back was a little basketball court. The rim was on a tree. It was all dirt, and that's where we used to all play basketball. It'd be sometimes 20 guys on, on one team. 
One basket on a tree. <laughs> and that's where we played. Vogels in the West End. We go in the woods, there was all kinds of apple trees, pear trees, peaches, all kinds. We climbed trees, eat fruit all day. And what's the deus now was Nabisco. You know, they made the boxes. And we'd go there and play. We'd watch things on TV, like Tarzan, and we'd go out and try to emulate that. Build the tree huts, swings, stuff like that. But the parents always, you know, the, the adults always looked out for you. You didn't sass them, you know. It was a community that everybody looked out for each other. Everybody knew everybody. So if you took your, you know, if you rode your bike and you went somewhere, if I went, if I drove, matter of fact, I, me and a couple of my friends rode uh, our bikes over to where I live at now. Before I got home, my mother knew where I was at because the people who lived in the house next to me were, happened to be our Sunday school teacher and, and, and her husband called and said, you know, Wayne's over here today. You know, so that's how the community was. It was always looking out for, for the kids. If you was doing something you ain't had no business doing, a neighbor would check you. And then tell your parents that they checked you. And then you get checked when you get home because they had to check you. Yeah, so, you know, it was, uh, it was good. Most of us were highly faith-based. So I went to uh, St. James AME Zion Church. And the church was um, like a pillar of the community. And we had many activities uh, sponsored by the church. There would be dinners. There were so many people that were uh, connected to it. And then there was also St. Andrew's Church. And uh, they also had a number of activities, especially uh, targeted toward youth. And that was a drawing card for the community. So that was a very important part of growing up. It was like very faith-based. That was legend for the youth playing basketball at St. Andrews. Beacon was known for basketball. You know, they played football and other things, but they was mostly known for basketball. Every summer, there was a festival there at St. Andrews. There was basketball, but there was food. We had a merry-go-round there. There was a swing set there, and uh, they used to bring teams in from other places to come and play. And it was just a festival every, every year. In, in SO, yeah, that was a blooming place. Had all those those uh, young men, they, you know, they would go over there and play. I don't know how to put it in words. That's, that's just what we needed. It was a place to go where you learned a lot of different things. I learned how to play ping pong there. I learned how to shoot pool, play basketball there. You could watch TV, do your homework, uh, talk to the counselors about things that maybe you do didn't talk, feel comfortable talking to your parents. I, I just liked it. You know, we had a couple of restaurants, uh, Lewis's uh, Sandwich Shop, uh, Ike's Corner Store. I, I mean, you know, so if you need provisions, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, they were handily, they're readily available to us. I mean, you know, whatever you needed, uh, we were able to get, I mean, you know, as far as, uh, I mean, you know, the, you know, provisions for that, for the home. The local grocery store, it was right on the bank square there. And by the way, we didn't go to supermarkets. Everybody went there, and they had everybody's name. They had a big book, and, and most of the people charged whatever they got. And then when, like, my grandfather got paid or my uncles got paid, they go in and give so much on the bill. You know, like I said, there was a restaurant back then uh, called Lewis's. Yeah, that was the... That was the guy's name. So it was a restaurant uh, where you had a counter. You had the chairs that you sat at. And then on the other side, there may have been um, a 
couple of tables. Basically, that's where the teenagers or people hung out to eat, you know, go there and get food, take it out. If I got an opportunity to sit at the counter and watch the big boys in the back, you know, I, I thought I made it. I get dressed to go up there and sit, you know. Put my best sneakers on so I could shine them, and, you know, and just sit in there and look around and take two hours to eat a hot dog and some fries just to be there. Nice place. It was my Uncle Lewis. As a matter of fact, I used to help him out occasionally on Saturdays. It's a place where he had a really solid, profitable business there. He used to sell hot dogs, hamburgers, fried chicken, fried fish, spare ribs. I mean, a real soul food restaurant. And all ages of, of people patronized him. It was a really good business. Right across the street from the bar. And people used to leave the bar, go over there and eat. And it was a good business. He had a Texas weenie type hot dog with a special sauce. And I don't know how where he got the recipe from, but it was an excellent sauce. That was what I'd order. That and French fries, a soda. I ate a lot in those days. Mr. Horton's Tavern. And he had the bar right here and next to the bar. You went upstairs to the apartment. And then he had another room where people used to rent and have parties and things. Jeff Barbershop was on the corner. Uh, Miss Macklin had a store. There was two barbershops. Um, there was Jeff's Barbershop. There was Mr. Reese's Barbershop. There was Bank Square Tavern. There was Miss Macklin's store down the, down the street at the top of Beekman Street. Was a bar. It was Mr. Horton's bar. It was his uh, thing. He had it was a bar for, for the grown-ups. But in the summertime, and they would have it as a, uh, a chippy joint. It was a place where the kids could go in and get ice cream and hang out for a little bit. And, you know, it was like a little, just a little hangout for them. Chippy joint, that was where we all went to socialize. There were two, actually, actual chippy joints. One was Charlie's and the other one was Horton's. And on the weekends, teens from all over the place would come there. And that's where all of the teens in Beacon wound up. On Friday nights and Saturday nights, we would dance, and they had a couple of pinball machines. Very social. Doo-wop groups came into play at that point in time, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Jeez, I have a lot of fond memories of those times, you know. Going up there, you know, there was the, 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 the camaraderie, the friends, the family, the church, all of that. And then there are like community activities. You know, we love to be in the parades of Beacon. And we felt united uh, at that point. I think the, the physical part of growing up in Beacon um, made us feel united. I really have some, some pretty good memories, you know, growing up, growing up in that area, you know. You're blessed when you can look back and think about people that were nice to you, people that you were nice, because that's all you have. Once you get a certain age, all you have are your memories. And to have some good memories makes you smile before you cry, you know. And that's what I can truly say I have. I have some good memories. And they are a beacon. They really are a beacon. I really enjoy living here in Beacon. We'd like to send a special thanks to the voices who contributed to this episode. Wayne Griffin, Dorothy Medley, also known as Dot, 
Charlene Stout, Robert Barksdale, Anthony Lassiter, George Mickey McKenzie, Connie Whitener Pudro, and Murray Mulligan. Thank you for joining us on this journey through Beacon's West End. To stay up to date on future episodes and exciting developments, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to contribute your own voice to this series, please reach out to us at imbeacon.info at gmail.com. And if you're in the area, be sure to visit Beacon's West End Exhibits at Beacon Historical Society Open Now through February 2024. And starting October 14th, you can also visit Beacon's Howland Public Library. For more details about the exhibits and upcoming live events, please visit beaconlibrary.org slash West End Story. Thank you again for listening and being a part of this wonderful series celebrating Beacon's West End.